Hi, everyone. This is Alien Talk Podcast, a program where we discuss all things about aliens and UFOs, and as always, where we push the limits of our understanding. We are Joe Landry and Lori Olford, here with you again for another intriguing, fascinating, and thought-provoking episode where we delve into the mysterious topics of extraterrestrials and the paranormal. So first off, welcome and thank you all for joining us, as always. Now, we're really glad to have you here with us, and today we're going to cover something that a lot of people may never have even heard of, as there's not very much information about it other than through conspiracy theory, and that thing is called the Glaka. Uh, if it truly did exist, as some ufologists believe, then it could very well have been the most amazing example of reverse engineering uh, ever undertaken by humans. So, hey there, Lori. How's it? How you doing? I'm doing well, Joe. And uh, you're right. If if there really was such a thing as Deglaka, then it stands as the most elaborate application of out of this world technology. Uh, out of all the stories of how governments have uh, gotten their hands on alien technology, this one, um, I think, uh, would beat them all. Uh, th- this would not only be a vehicle that is propelled to unthinkable speeds, but anti-gravity but also uh, one that is capable of traveling through time. Uh, So it's pretty much a a time machine. Yeah, this would be something incredible, like what would be seen in the movies, probably along the lines of Back to the Future, you know, with Doc Brown and Marty McFly zipping around in the DeLorean, you know, with the flux capacitor and the 1.21 gigawatts (laughs) and how it could speed up to 88 miles per hour and then in an instant and jump to another year. I love that movie, by the way. It was a, a great 80s flick. Yeah, I know. It's another uh, classic, that's for sure. And I, I, so I think that the Glocka is uh, something like that, like in Back to the Future's Part 2 and 3, when you know the DeLorean was you know, made to hover and it, it flew around. And uh, that's... What I'm, that's like the same impression I'm getting with the Glocka. Like it's able to to levitate and, you know, shoot across the sky um, only to disappear uh, in a wormhole or something that opens up and it just goes right through it, like, boom. And and then it's completely gone, vanished. Right. Yeah, and in Die Glocke, uh, which is German for the bell, uh, was a capsule type of craft that was given the name presumably because of its shape. It was 12 to 15 feet in height and 9 feet in diameter. And constructed of a heavy metal alloy with hieroglyphic symbols around its base. It has been speculated that it was one of the purported secret weapons that the Nazis were testing and developing between the mid-1930s and the end of World War II. Now, we do know that there were a few members of the German high command who were spearheading such projects that were dubbed the Wunderwaffen, meaning wonder weapons. Uh, This did happen. Uh, These were spearheaded by the uh, the Nazis, this is a fact. Uh, we know that they were involved with some pretty advanced and cutting-edge research, and we know that a lot of the knowledge obtained from that research uh, was later given to the U.S. military scientists after the war ended. Yeah, we, we've heard of the V-2 rocket, the, the most popular example of the Wonder Weapons. Uh, there was also the Messerschmitt 323 heavy cargo transport plane, the Arado 234 turbojet bomber and the TA 183 swept wing fighter, just to name a few of them. So the Glocka is thought to be one of the many projects of this genre of sophisticated weaponry. Now, all of this stuff uh, is decades ahead of, of the times, 
Because remember, in the 1930s and the 40s, things like the like jet propulsion, rocket fuel, missile carried uh, payloads, high speed air travel were only heard about in science fiction stories. So the fact that the Nazis were actually working on these things at that point in time has led some ufologists to contemplate that um, they may have somewhere along the line covertly recovered a downed alien spacecraft and reverse engineered it to develop what would become known as their wonder weapons or their super weapons. Right. So we don't have any records that allude to that. Uh, There are very few Nazi documents uh, that actually survived the war, which, of course, is further adds to the tantalizing secrecy of these weapon systems, which I imagine is being similar to our modern day black projects out in Area 51. So most of what we uh, know about the Glocka comes from about 20 years ago, and it comes from a Polish investigative journalist named Igor Witkowski, who associated it with Nazi occultism. Uh, It was also described by British author Nicholas Cook, who around the same time frame wrote about it in his book, The Hunt for Zero Point, and embellished on Witkowski's claims. Now, the question that arises is how did Witkowski find out about the Glocka? Yeah, so from what he says in his book, The Truth About the Wonder Weapon, Witkowski learned about it by reading the reports of an a post-war allied interrogation of an SS officer, which, according to militaryhistory.com, was shown to him in 1997 by an anonymous Polish intel agent who would not allow him to make any copies. So he had to transcribe everything. So we're not able to confirm any of the sources of this information, but he does corroborate the, uh, the names of the SS officers Uh, with the locations in Germany where the weapons projects were known to be worked on. Uh, Both Bukowski and Cook postulate that Hans Kammler, who was pretty high up in the SS, was in charge of the whole program and that he personally uh, had access to the files for all of the weapon system. Now, interestingly, he disappeared at the time of Germany's defeat and was never seen again. But it was also during the end of the war that many Nazi scientists were relocated to the United States under what was known as Operation Paperclip. Uh, They would later help the American military in its nuclear and space programs. So Witzkowski and Cook believed that Kammler could have been one of or been one of the Nazis who was transferred out of Germany or at least traded the uh, top secret technical data to the U.S., in exchange for his freedom. And this may also have included a special information about the Glocka. Right. Among those scientists were Arthur Rudolph, Hans Pops, uh, and Werner von Braun, who were all pretty well known during the 50s and 60s and were very instrumental in the research and development of multi-stage rockets and guidance systems, which you know, eventually enabled the United States to, to launch astronauts into space. Yeah, and I mean, Werner von Braun pretty much. Now, he took his expertise from the construction of the V-2 rocket to help the United States build the booster engines needed to get the spacecraft into a high enough orbit to make a lunar trajectory possible. Really, without him and his unique knowledge, it's doubtful if we would have been so successful in that. Yes, I mean, he was... uh... 
pretty much credited with inventing the Saturn V rocket for uh, NASA's Apollo program, which you know, took astronauts to the moon. Um, yeah, for sure. So Operation Paperclip, you know, was preceded by Operation Overcast and was a, a way for allied intel officers to recruit the best scientific minds from among the echelons of the SS through interrogation and persuasion to, you know, shift our allegiance away from the Third Reich. Um, about a year later, in 1946, it was replaced by Operation Lusty, which was focused specifically on studying the technology and training plans of the German Luftwaffe. Uh, all of this was meant to acquire intellectual property from war prisoners in exchange for their freedom. Uh, actually, some of them weren't permitted to come to the U.S. and instead uh, went off to Spain and Argentina. Now, Laurie, uh, you know, Igor Witkowski mentioned uh, something he said Nazi occultism. And strangely, this was a real thing. Adolf Hitler had an obsession with mythology, particularly Germanic, Nordic, and Greek mythologies. And there was a, a special sort of uh, unit within the SS, and it was headed up by Heinrich Himmler, and it was called the Abernabe. It means heritage. And while it was mostly an apparatus for Nazi propaganda, uh, according to Heather Pringle in her book, The Master Plan, it espoused the belief that the great German gods of the past were soon to return. Now, of course, we know this is a pretty old idea. God's returning, uh, nothing new with that in religion. Uh, but this had the unprecedented leap in science and technology to go with it, in which the Nazis were dabbling in. Um, so one can't help but wonder if these gods aren't actually a reference to extraterrestrials and extraterrestrial spacecraft. And with their conclusive evidence, Aryan race that had descended from mythical places like uh, Hyperborea and Atlantis, uh, had they made some kind of discovery there? Uh, Hitler commissioned teams of archaeologists and anthropologists to parts of Central Asia, Eastern Europe, uh, South America, in search of any kind of relic or artifact or folklore that they would find as meaningful to their. Uh, ideology uh, or to fit their narratives that they were creating. In doing so, did they find something like a Roswell type wreckage? Um, too, Antarctica were so powerful that set up uh, or sort of uh, were so important that uh, they set up uh, a secret base there and laid claim to about 200 miles uh, that that uh, they even named New Swabia. The British intelligence proposed that it was all for the stationing of U-boats. Uh, there were also reports of them finding hidden tunnels and caverns underneath the ice. This in turn led to rumors of alien uh, remains being discovered. There is even the account of UFOs attacking the U.S. Navy ships positioned off Antarctica in 1946 and in 1947 in what was called Operation High Jump. Uh, this was said to have inflicted damage to that fleet. So could it be that the Nazis searched for, say, the lost civilization of Atlantis had taken them to Antarctica, where, lo and behold, uh, they stumble onto something big there? Yeah, that is a good point to bring up about Antarctica. Um, very little is known about the Nazis' operations there, only that they were indeed there. Uh, Germany's military industrial complex seemed to go almost into overdrive prior to the start of the war. 
as it seemed to uh, become years and even decades well ahead of its time in aircraft and weapons technology. So you have to wonder if the same paradigm that we see with the U.S. experiencing a boom in engineering breakthroughs after the Roswell incident isn't something in which the, the Nazis hadn't also partaken. And that is, uh, were they able to reverse engineer an alien spacecraft that they had gotten their hands on? Now, there, uh, there were really actually um, considerable political stakes to this at this time. Remember, the United States, as well as the Soviet Union, were aware that the SS was the keeper of knowledge that no one else in the world possessed. And that's why both countries wanted to make deals with the top scientists in Germany, because they knew stuff about physics that neither one wanted the other one to get a hold of as the Cold War was now beginning. Uh, no other scientists prisoner of wars, uh, or scientists prisoner of war, uh, were coveted like they were. And if the Nazis really did come across alien technology and their wide-swept quests for evidence of the Aryan race under the orders of Himmler, they would have fit it into their whole mythological framework of the Germanic tradition, which they have accepted it as proof being that the pagan gods of old legends had indeed returned in order to fulfill what they believed was their destiny. Would this have validated the whole mission of Abernabe? Uh, you know, Joe, uh, you once asked in our uh, episode about ancient spaceports as to why we have never found any of what you would call high-tech hardware uh, that is thousands of years old. You know, like why haven't we on Earth a spacecraft that has been long buried in, say, the desert of uh, Egypt? Or uh, why don't we find something that is completely out of archaeological context. Well, I mean, perhaps the Nazis did find just that in their expeditions, uh, alien technology, and, and perhaps they found in Antarctica, not only preserved, but actually still operational. Who knows? Yeah, in that episode, we discussed the parallelism of places like uh, places of biblical significance, like the Sinai Peninsula, Jerusalem, Babylon, Mount Ararat, and others uh, with the occurrences of otherworldly encounters, namely, you know, spiritual encounters, and a supposition being that such places are known throughout antiquity as uh, sacred, uh, and the, re the reason it being that is because they are places where uh, extraterrestrial contacts were frequently experienced by the ancient peoples. And of course, like you pointed out, no buried spaceship has ever been found on, in those spots. Um, so as far as how the Aranabi leaders would perceive the discovery of something like alien technology, um, I think they would just put it into the context of their version of German nationalism. And guys like Heinrich Himmler, Alfred Rosenberg, uh, Rudolf Hess, all bigwigs with the SS and were very close to Hitler, uh, were said to have some strong connections to the occult. And these were the same ones who were responsible for overseeing and spearheading the Wonder Weapons program, and its objective was you know, to be carried out. Um, there are also a few shadowy, kooky, and, and, and wacky figures who were associated with this close-knit group, uh, like Maria Orsic and Johann Eckhart, um, who were known to be esoteric uh, spiritualists and mediums and who conducted things like you know, seances. Um, so there, there definitely seems to be a uh, concomitance or a synchrony with this mystical and paranormal side to the Nazi ideology and the development of what is clearly out of this world technology for the time period in which it came about. 
Um, it's definitely disconcerting to consider that, um, to consider that this occultism of theirs might have led them to their fantastic discoveries in, you know, um, aircraft and weapons. Oddly enough, uh, even the expatriated scientist like Von Braun, uh, he, he credited um, his ingenuity to having originated from other worlds. And if the Glocka was one of the devices invented, uh, then it truly does show that some um, extraordinary engineering was undertaken, as it had a propulsion system completely unknown to anyone, even to this day, uh, at least uh, anyone except Bob Lazar. Um, we talked about him a while back, and he is a physicist who worked at Area 51 many years ago and eventually went public with what he knew about the top secret uh, projects that were going on at Area 51. Right, and he said something about a special fuel that is used for extremely high speed travel. Um, he's something he called Element 115. Uh, again, something no one else has ever heard of. But supposedly it can bend space uh, by converting to element 114. By doing so, a tremendous amount of energy is released and it's able to do that, to, to bend space. Strangely enough, the Glocka is said to have had an uncanny type of fuel. Uh, it was called Zerum 525. Uh, it was a liquid metal, kind of like mercury, but it was also purple in color. And it was supposed to be very dangerous. It was supposed to be highly radioactive and highly toxic. Um, but it was what gave the Glocka its anti-gravity propulsion when contained between two cylinders, one embedded within the other and rotating opposite of one another. And Cook wrote about this in his book, The, the Hunt for Zero Point. This Zerum 525 stuff definitely doesn't sound like uh, something that was safe for the environment. I mean, but I seriously doubt that the Nazis had a clean energy agenda with any of their weapons programs. Um, but if Zerum 525 was real... And then, you know, what the heck was it? it, it it's certainly described as being something uh, no one else has ever heard of or ever seen. I mean, it's not the stuff that he put in the monster energy drink, I hope. <laughs> uh, hey, it could be what uh, gives, you know, the power rate and, and, and Gatorade its purple color. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Um, well, hopefully not. <laughs> but, you know, uh, well, what if uh, the Zerum 525 is that same substance, substance that Bob Lazar referred to as element 115? Now, think about it. If this stuff was used as an anti-gravity fuel for the Deglaca, then it seems to do just what Bob Lazar said was being worked on at Area 51, which is tapping into free energy um, uh, for the application of high-speed uh, propulsion. Now, he actually appeared on Larry King Live back in uh, January 9th, 2019, and said it's a unique element. Uh, when it's exposed to radiation, it produces its own gravitational field, uh, its own anti-gravitational field, and it's what's used to lift and propel the craft. Now, that's what he said. Now, this was, uh, was him talking about the alien fuel known as the element 115. Uh, and let's also remember, Joe, that Bob Lazar was hired, as he claims, to study how to reverse Engine and uh, engineer alien spacecraft at Area 51. That was his job, according to him. And, and we've all heard of warp speed from science fiction. And the idea, the idea being uh, through bending space with anti gravitational energy, light speed can be attained. It's the stuff of Star Trek, right? 
so this concept comes from the general theory of relativity in which Einstein predicted that gravity could bend space as well as time, which is integrated on a continuum of the cosmos. And that time slows down for an object, the faster it travels through space. Uh, all part of theoretical physics, right? So what Lazar is suggesting is that light speed and time travel are possible with the work that is going on in Area 51. If what he is saying about element 115 is a characteristic that is the same as this Zerum 525 substance, then, well, who knows? Perhaps the Glocka was a flying saucer type of craft that could do things that U.S. black projects are also said to be able to do. So did the Nazis figure out, you know, abstract concepts like wormholes and quantum mechanics before anyone else uh, did and, and devise a way to accomplish, say, time travel? Yeah, you know, it, it may sound strange, but uh, there is actually uh, a black and white uh, film footage of the Glock, of the, sorry, the Glocka that uh, can be found on YouTube supposedly from uh, around 1943 and seen as a bell-shaped capsule tethered with uh, chains to a structure that uh, they call the hinge um, as it levitates from the ground. Now, of course, there is no way to prove that this footage is authentic, uh, although the hinge is, is a real place that has been found near an abandoned military base called Deris, uh, near the, uh, the Czech border. Now, this is a facility that is rumored to have been used by the Nazis to test systems for the Wonder Weapons, and one of them being the Glocka. Obviously, some people dispute that the hinge was a uh, a rigged structure to keep the Glocka anchored down and is really nothing more than the foundation of a cooling tower. Well, regardless, yeah, there's an eeriness to it. Uh, supposedly, quite a few technicians had died from the electromagnetic and radioactive effects of the Glocka. And the whole area around the Rees gives off the sense uh, that something like unnatural had gone on there. Now, another odd correlation to the mystery of the Glocka is from an incident that occurred on December 9th, 1965, in Kicksburg, Pennsylvania. Apparently, according to local newspapers, it was seen as a fireball seen witnesses in six states before impacting the ground. Now, at first, it was thought to be a meteorite, but when the local volunteer fire department arrived on scene, they described that they saw an object implanted in the crater, um, and it was said to be about the size of a Volkswagen and was shaped like an acorn with Egyptian-type symbols stenciled around um, the base. So this, of course, sounds exactly like. And hey, there, Joe. Yeah, yeah. You were saying that it sounds exactly like the image we get of the appearance of the Glocka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and 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 based on what eyewitnesses said later, as found on UFOinsight.com, the U.S. military uh, quickly cordoned off the crash site and took over the investigation. The object was moved out of the area, never to be seen again. And this led a lot of folks to speculate that it was a downed missile and that it was a radiation hazard. And that's why they had to get it out of the, uh, the area so quickly. Uh, some versions of the story were circulated that it was a Russian space probe that had crashed. Uh, however, some journalists like Leslie Keane, a um, journalist with the uh, com who has been researching the incident, has uh, found that 
government, uh, both on the federal and local levels, seemed to have no record of the incident having happened at all. So after looking at Wachowski and Cook's research on the Glocka, uh, some ufologists have pondered the possibility of the object being none other than that, uh, which, of course, the military would completely deny. And, and actually, investigators with Project Blue Book uh, found the entire thing unsubstantiated, um, you know, contrary to the acclamations from the stories that were carried out by radio stations and newspapers at the time. So if the Glocka truly was a time machine, uh, then could it have traveled 20 years into the future from the end of World War II and across an ocean and a continent? And if that's so, was there someone inside of it? Well, uh, some in the conspiracy theory world think that it was Hans Kammler who, as we said, uh, disappeared at the end of the war, uh, had escaped capture by the Allies by traveling 20 years into the future um, by using the Glocka and then landing in Kicksburg in the year 1965. Of course, only to be put right into the hands of the American military and becoming detained and then also, once again, disappearing. <laughs> so, I mean, on the other hand, to Kyle, uh, uh, according to Kyle Mizogami, who wrote for Popular Mechanics and claimed in an article dated June 1st of 2021 that Hitler had a secret anti-gravity UFO and the U.S. stole it. Uh, so the Glocka would actually have wound up in American custody and would have been secretly stored away over here, uh, not left somewhere over there in Germany. Now, Mizogami states that sci-fi writers and hoaxers uh, may have actually concocted the machine, applying the uh, post-war you know, reputation of of Nazi scientists being capable of almost any technological feat. But he continues by saying that the Nazis, who lost World War II, of course, had emerged with an almost mythical reputation for high-tech weapons that were... We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, and welcome to Hiss and Tell, a cat podcast where we delve deep into the fascinating world of feline behavior, with your host, me, Christina Wilson, a professional animal behaviorist. Each episode features insightful discussions with leading veterinarians, dedicated researchers and scientists, experts in cat behavior and training, and so much more. Join me as we decode the complexities of pet loss, unravel the mysteries of feline health and behavior, and discover the latest research findings. I'll meet you at Hiss and Tell. Yeah, you were saying that they were uh, high-tech weapons that were... Whatever they, so whatever they were doing over there, you know, we picked up over here. Right. You, you kind of cut out for a few seconds there, but you were saying that you know, the Nazis, uh, they did indeed lose World War II, but they had this mythical reputation for high-tech weapons that were better than the Allies. Um, and paper, Operation Paperclip allowed the U.S. military to obtain the brightest minds from Germany who were working on that technology. Uh, and so the whole idea of, of SS officer Hans Kammler getting into the Glocka and jumping to the year 1965 and smacking down right outside of Pittsburgh uh, does seem like a far-fetched hypothesis. But whatever crashed there could very well have been part of a top-secret project being worked on by the U.S. military at that point in time. Uh, we said before that the military is about 30 to 50 years ahead in technological advancement 
than its civilian counterparts. It could very well be possible that we do have vehicles propelled by anti-gravity and that they are hidden away in Area 51, as suggested by Bob Lazar's statements. So could the German military have also been ahead of its time? It, it certainly seems like it was. Um, we, we know that they actually could very well have invented the atomic bomb before us. Uh, they were actually quite ahead of us and, and, and fell behind us, and then we developed it. Um, and they were... And they were on a roll. I mean, uh, as we pointed out in you know quite a few times, in this whole World War II era really does seem to be a juncture in our uh, technological progression. So that raises the question: if time travel is even possible, now according to space place, now one clock stayed on Earth while the other was placed on uh, an airplane that uh, flew uh, around the world with the direction of Earth's orbit. It was a little bit slower on the airplane than it was for the clock on Earth. So the faster we go, the slower time moves for us. So if we develop the technology to travel to our nearest star, like Alpha Centauri, which is about 4.3 light years away, let's say that we get there one day after a five-year journey, when the humans return to Earth after a year on a planet there for a total of, say, 11 years, uh, I guess the space traveling humans will think it, uh, of it as 11 years, but centuries would have passed on Earth. Uh, upon arriving to Earth, you would now have traveled to the future. If you look at the night sky, even, and you see those stars, you're actually looking into the past. So uh, I guess we do time travel. But what if one day we build a powerful enough telescope that we uh, can look at a planet millions of years ago? Uh, will we be able to see a civilization progressing over a million years ago on another world? Or is there a, a future civilization pairing uh, back in time watching us from a star system millions of light years away, no pun intended, uh, before we uh, are able to, to time travel. Like, like how we see a movie um, uh, and like, you know, like Back to the Future and stuff. Now, can we really say that possible? That's the thing. Uh, if it's already happened, then we just... might be able to somehow find a way to return to or loop in time or whatever. And the technology like the Glocka may have been the beginning of this. Right. And we were recording, you were referring to uh, the uh, information that can be found on spaceplace.nasa.gov on that website. Um, so th there is still much to be learned about space-time theories and how it can, uh, how it can be uh, curvilinear, how space-time can be curvilinear and, and about wormholes and how they can exist. Uh, cosmologists are still looking for a grand unification of the laws and forces of the standard model of physics that can possibly explain it better. But what is peculiar about the Nazis is that we find, uh, you know, with their occultism, you know, their obsession to search for their origins uh, through the schema of uh, ancient mythology, that it seemed to lead them forward in their progression of technology, not the other way. <laughs> Um, and so what was it about their search for the gods that seemed to bring this about? Did they discover the gods by coming across the remnants of an age, an alien civilization somewhere here on Earth that had been, you know, long lost for millennia, only to be discovered by them? 
we said before how the 19th was a real turning point in the technological revolution for humanity, and the wonder weapons were a vivid display of this. Uh, it is just strange that the ones who were most responsible for spearheading a lot of this technology were the same ones immersed in uh, Nazi occultism. Uh, is there a connection? Was the drive to seek out mythology and to find the evidence of the gods uh, what resulted in the discovery of things beyond this world? And by finding them, did they learn how to build them through reverse uh, engineering? It seems like then, like with the whole world, uh, you know, it made a huge leap forward with technological development. Now, could that be because we as humans, not just the Nazi scientists, but our entire species had closer to connecting with our alien roots than, you know, we have in thousands of years right and we see the same pattern in technological advancement taking place after roswell uh, so it's almost like humanity was learning uh, how to achieve tremendous unprecedented breakthroughs you know back then like building jets and rockets and computers and flying faster than the speed of sound and you know launching astronauts into space so did we learn this from something beyond the limits of our own world you know, something extraterrestrial if so, then the Glocka, like so many other mysterious objects out there, may be hidden away. And hopefully, like everything else, its secrets will be revealed. So that wraps it up for today. Uh, we thank you all for joining us. On our next show, we're going to get into the mystery of Easter Island. Uh, we're all familiar with it, uh, as we've seen pictures of those huge anthropomorphic head statues known as Moai. Um, they're just a, just a few of them, of course. <laughs> Yeah, being a few thousand of them, of course. You know, there's uh, something over 900 of them uh, on Easter Island, and some of them weigh over 80 tons. Uh, they're huge. And nobody knows who built them. Uh, strangely, the oral tradition of the island natives hold that they did not build them, but that the gods did. And we hear the word gods in the context of any story of a Herculean construction accomplishment. We have to wonder if it actually means extraterrestrial. So we thank you all for your support of the show. Uh, we hope you tune in next time for that episode here on Alien Talk Podcast. Uh, be sure to follow us on our social media pages. And we really appreciate all of you for faithfully downloading and for putting us on the list uh, put out by Feedspot as being one of the top 50 alien and UFO podcasts that are now currently active. Uh, thank you for that. You guys are awesome. And we look forward to being with you again really soon. Uh, real soon in the next uh, couple of weeks. So until then, stay curious.